Let me invite you to open to the book of Acts, chapter 8. And we are going to start around verse 25. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins that's found only in him. And Father, we pray that uh, as your word goes forth this morning, Lord, I pray that it would uh, work on our hearts and minds. And Father, I pray, especially now, that you would feed your people. Lord, I pray that you would use me to do that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you remember what we've been talking about as we go through the book of Acts together, uh, we started out uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And Acts chapter 1, 8 kind of sets the table for the rest of the book of Acts. And that is that Jesus tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, they'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so as we've been looking at the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit has been using individuals to take the gospel all throughout Jerusalem. We see that it didn't penetrate all of Jerusalem. There were still uh, many there who were hard-hearted towards the gospel, bringing persecution to the church. And then we see now that because of that persecution, the gospel has then spread from Jerusalem to Judea. And now the gospel in Acts chapter 8 is in the town of Samaria or the, the providence of Samaria. And we talked about Samaria being a place that housed a uh, ethnic group of people that the Jews had some disdain for. Right? Everybody following me? And now the gospel is going out, and we find that in Acts chapter 8, verse 25, that the gospel is no longer just going to be in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. In Acts chapter 8, through Philip, the gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. Okay? And so this is where we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 8, verse 25. If you remember, Philip... After the persecution, he went to Samaria. He preached in a Samaritan village where there was a man um, who was a sorcerer, right? Everybody following me? And this sorcerer wanted the Holy Spirit, right? He wanted the, to be able to give the Holy Spirit out, Spirit out at a whim. And Peter rebuked him when he wanted that because he showed that he wasn't interested in the Holy Spirit for the sake of the gospel going to the ends of the earth, for the sake of being everything that God had called him to be. He wanted the Holy Spirit as another magic trick. Peter saw right through the facade and and rejected him. Now that incident is over. And in Acts chapter 8 verse 25 says this. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord... That's in that village in Samaria. They started back to Jerusalem. Now, if you remember the the geography lesson we gave you, we said that um, that Samaria was kind of in the middle. Jerusalem is south of Samaria. So you know now that Philip is headed south from Samaria to Jerusalem. And the other thing that you need to know as far as Israel's geography is that they don't have giant cities like we have now. Like when you think of Jerusalem now, you think of this big city. But the old city, Jerusalem, was a pretty small city, right? All of your villages that are spoken of in the scripture, when you think about Caesarea of Philippi, and you think about all these other places that Jesus mentions in the scripture, all of these are very, very small towns and cities. And so there's some small towns and cities that are about the size of our church property, right? You take, you take all three of the buildings that we have and the little bit of grass that we have to cut, and that's about the size of a village. And so when something happens in a village, everybody knows about it. You can stand in the middle of the village, raise your voice, and everybody hear you, right? It's a very, very small setup. And so this is, that's going to make more sense for the rest of this. And so they're going back from Jerusalem, verse 25. 
So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So they're stopping along the way to places that are about the size of our church property. Then in verse 26, while they're going and preaching the gospel to those villages, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. This is what you need to know also. They're making their way south to Jerusalem. They're stopping along at these villages along the way. And as they're being obedient to the Great Commission, right? To go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. As Philip is doing that, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. So what I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit is active in the ministry of Philip as Philip is obedient to the commands of Jesus. Right? So Philip isn't sitting in his recliner... And the Holy Spirit using him. Philip is eagerly obeying the commands of Christ, taking the gospel to villages along the way. And then the angel of the Lord speaks to Philip and he tells Philip to go to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Another geography thing that you need to know. There's two roads that descend from Jerusalem to Gaza. One is a desert road. The other one is a more populated road. And so the Holy Spirit tells Philip at this moment, I'm going to be a little bit cynical in a minute, but I know I'm going there. You just need to bear with me, okay? So just know that it's coming. The angel of the Lord tells Philip, go to the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza, the desert road. And so if you're like me and you have a plan for everything, you might have this conversation with the Lord that says something like, Lord, wouldn't it make more sense? You ever been there? You ever had that conversation with the Lord where the Lord says something very simple and you go, you know, Lord, it would make a lot more sense if I did this instead. So Philip's taking the gospel to these villages from Samaria to Jerusalem. And then the Lord tells him to go to this desert road that nobody uses. And do you know what happens in the story? Philip's obedient to the angel of the Lord. Philip goes to the desert road. You don't see this inner head dilemma of Philip arguing with the Lord. You see sheer obedience from the part of Philip. The angel of the Lord said something, Philip does it. And you have all sorts of other examples in Scripture where angels of the Lord show up to people and the people argue with the angels. All sorts of them, right? They laugh at the angel. They they try to change the angel's mind. Not Philip. Philip's full of the Holy Spirit. Philip's obedient to what the angel's going to tell him. And Philip's going to go to this desert road. And this is where I'm going to be a little bit cynical. Can you imagine if there was a early church committee and that had to get approved for Philip to do that? Like, like, just bear with me for a minute, right? Let's poke fun just a little bit. Can you see the conversations that would take place? Philip, you're so talented. Look at all of this, these good things that are happening when you go to populated places. Why would you go to the desert road? Maybe you misheard from the Lord, Right? What if we had to have conversation about this and approve Philip to go do that? See how this could get bogged down? What I want to share with you is that when the Lord is leading you through the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying that when the angel shows up, right? I'm just saying that when the Lord is leading you through the Holy Spirit, be obedient to the call of God on your life, right? Follow the call of God on your life. If Philip's not obedient to the call of God through the Holy Spirit on his life, this story ends in a totally different manner and in a bad manner instead of the good manner that it's about to go. So here we go. So he got up and went, verse 27. So Philip is submissive to the Holy Spirit in his life. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. 
And as he was returning and sitting in the chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. So just imagine if we still had this committee formed to, to, to approve Philip's actions. You ready? Philip's gone to this desert road where there is nobody. And the secretary of finance for another country is in their entourage is riding down the road. And Philip says, hey, committee gang, the Holy Spirit's telling me that I need to run beside that chariot and see what's going on. The committee was, are you sure that's what he said? Are you sure that's what he said? Why don't we get together next week and we'll see if that's what he said or not. Let's pray about it for a week. You with me? You guys are acting like this has never happened to you and shame on you, right? You're all looking at me like, I don't know if I should smile at this or not. But you know how this goes. And so Philip takes off running and he runs up beside the chariot of the secretary of finance for the whole nation of Ethiopia. You following me? He's running. Now, what if the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, when you leave church and there's a car slowing down to stop in the little mint to get chicken on the way home. I want you to run up beside that car. And when there are windows down, I want you to share the gospel with that individual. Now, I'm giving you a bit of an extreme example. But he's run up beside a man who's being pulled in a chariot with horses down a desert road where nobody is supposed to be. Wouldn't that committee say something like, you might get shot if you run up to the Secretary of Finance for another country. Like, you need to be real careful in what you're doing here. Like, you don't just run up next to a moving vehicle and hope that everything's okay. You could get stomped by a horse. You could get, there's just a, a slew of things that could happen. But Philip, nothing as good is gonna come up with you running alongside a famous person like that. And an important person. And Philip, by the way, nobody knows who you are. And you don't even have running shoes on. Right? You ever been in, you ever been in something like that? Like some of you smiling, yes, some of you avoiding eye contact, maybe not so much. So the Philip, the Spirit said to Philip, verse 29, go up and join this chariot. And then listen to verse 38. This is what I love so much about Philip. Is that the angel says something, and he does it. The Holy Spirit says something, and he does it. Then the Spirit said to Philip, verse 29, go up and join this chariot. Verse 30, Philip ran up. Philip didn't know what to expect. Philip had no idea, maybe even who was in the chariot, but Philip runs up and listen to what the man is doing. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? Philip has no idea what he's going to encounter, but when he runs up beside the chariot, there's a man reading the scriptures aloud and Philip goes, aha, (laughs) I'll take it from here, God. I know exactly what to do now. And he asked the man, do you understand what you're reading? You ever had the Spirit speak to you in such a manner as this? I don't have a lot of those examples, but I used to meet a friend when I was in college at Hardy's when they opened. Hardy's opened about 5.30 in the morning. We would meet before we went to work at 7. We would meet and have breakfast together, and we would walk through some accountability things in life. We'd read the scriptures together, things like that. And when he and I, I've told most of you guys this story before, but he and I, we get into the Hardy's, they open the door, and there's a guy in real rough shape in front of us, okay? He's got a quarter in his pocket. I don't know what he has in his pocket, but he's only got about a quarter in his pocket, and he wants a senior coffee, which... My understanding is that if you have a disability, you're able to get the senior coffee as well. So he wants a senior coffee. He doesn't have money to pay for it. And when we were in line, 
The Holy Spirit, just like one of you guys talking to me, said, Bobby, you need to share the gospel with that man. And I thought, <laughs> not like Philip, but I thought, you sure? Like, it's <laughs> God? It is 530. And I didn't even know there was air at 530 in the morning. Much less that your Holy Spirit was up and active and telling me what to do at 530 in the morning. And so we stand in line. The man needs another quarter to get the senior coffee. And since the Holy Spirit has already told me that I need to witness to this guy, I readily give him a quarter to spark some conversation. And then as we were waiting, I asked this man if he were to die today, if he knew for certain and for sure he would go to heaven. And you guys that know the story know what happens. He reaches into his pocket and he pulls out the most tattered Romans Road gospel track that I've ever seen. And he opens it up and he says, I've been reading this and I was hoping that someone would explain it to me. And at 535 in the morning over a sausage biscuit and a senior cup of coffee, my friend and I didn't need the prompting of the Holy Spirit anymore because we knew exactly like Philip did when this man opened the scriptures, we were there and ready to explain it to him. And gang, check this out. This is a part of the story that is really neat. I wasn't a pastor then. I was one of you guys. I was one of you guys who the Holy Spirit was working in my life. And I led that man to the Lord as a lay person in the church. Not as a pastor. And then we invited him to go to the church that I went to, not the church that I pastored. That's good stuff. When the Holy Spirit of God is leading you. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit of God is leading Philip. Philip runs up. He hears a man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And listen to what the man says. And this is what so many people who aren't saved and don't have the Holy Spirit of God in their life. He says, verse 31, how could I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And so now Philip is no longer running beside the chariot discussing the book of Isaiah. Now Philip is sitting in the chair with the secretary of finance of Ethiopia. And he's having conversation with him about the book of Isaiah while he's on the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's impressive, isn't it? And then listen, it gets even better. How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 32. Now the passage of scripture which, which he was reading was this. And this is amazing that God leads him straight to this scripture. It, listen to this. It just so happened that the man was here in the book of Isaiah. Listen, there's a lot of other crazy stuff written in the book of Isaiah. And I mean crazy as far as if you walked up on somebody reading it aloud, you would go, wow. That's a pretty wild passage for me to have to wrestle with. But he's not on that difficult passage. He's on a passage that is easy for him to understand. And listen to it. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate to his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me. Of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? 
So what's going on is that this man from Ethiopia, who's the secretary of finance in charge of all of the queen's money, has gone to Jerusalem to worship God. And so this is a man who is a is a follower of God. Other places in scripture would call a man like this a God fearer, someone who doesn't live in Jerusalem, doesn't live in Israel, but comes to the temple at the appointed times to worship along with the rest of the people who fear God and keep his commandments. And so he's gone to worship the Lord and something happened around the the time of Jesus in Judaism, what the uh, Pharisees, Sadducees were in charge of, all of them believed that this passage was about the Messiah. Okay, they all believed popular belief was that this passage was about the Messiah. When the Messiah came and Jesus fit the bill for this in their hard heartedness and rejection of Jesus, they changed their theology to fit what they wanted to do. And they said, no longer is this about the Messiah, but this is about Isaiah himself or this is about the nation of Israel. But this isn't about the Messiah anymore. And so they changed what the Bible said to fit what they wanted to believe. And then the eunuch answered Philip. And so no doubt the eunuch would have heard this while he was worshiping the Lord under the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees at the temple. Then Philip, let me back up, verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And so you've got a man who is a God-fearing man who does not know about Jesus. And Philip the evangelist is sitting in the chariot right alongside him. And he gets to explain this passage of Scripture. And he gets to preach Jesus to him in the front seat of a limo. Right? This man is traveling, no doubt, with some sort of entourage. Listen to this, verse 36. As they went along the road, they came to some water. This is after Philip has preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And so you see that this eunuch not just has faith in Jesus, but this eunuch, after listening to the preaching of Jesus Christ, wants to take the gospel and he wants to take that first step of obedience and follow the Lord in baptism, giving public affirmation that he's died to his sins and been raised to a new life in Christ. And he's not just doing this with him and Philip. He's doing this in front of his whole entourage, which is traveling with him that may or may not be God fearing individuals. And listen to this. He's in charge of all of these men in his entourage. And he's not worried about what they think. He knows what God's doing in his heart and he has to go forward getting baptized. And so in verse 37, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he ordered verse 38 and he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip, as well as the eunuch. And he baptized him there. And so both of these men get out of the chariot. They walk down to the water and Philip immerses this man in water. This is one of the proof texts we have as Baptists that we go to, that there's water that they see, they get out of the chariots, they go down into the water, and Philip is baptizing the eunuch in that water. Then listen to this. When they came up out of the water, verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Hey, Mr. Eunuch, whatever your name is, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
buried in the likeness of his death, raised to a new life in Christ, and then Philip's gone. And at some point, the eunuch is standing there all alone. Like, what in the world just happened? Like, dude was there a second ago, and maybe he's playing a joke and he swam away underwater. He's got to breathe at some point. Where is he? And the man is gone. And the whole entourage that this eunuch is traveling with sees this. And Philip just randomly, by the Holy Spirit of God, shows up at another town. But Philip himself, verse 40, found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. And so Philip just baptizes this man. At some point, listen to this gang, he has a, a beam me up Scotty moment, right? And he's, he was there and now he's not. And he left there and he's now at this other city. And he doesn't lose a ton of sleep over it. The eunuch goes on rejoicing God for what the Holy Spirit's done in his life. And Philip stays about the mission that God's given him. And he's preaching Jesus in whatever city he lands in. Is that not amazing? You have all of these people so focused on what God's mission and plan is for their life. That when someone disappears, which has only happened like two or three times in all of biblical history, that happens. It doesn't look like they miss a beat. It just gives them more fuel for the fire. And they go on worshiping and obeying as they go about their journey. Is that not fantastic? And so a couple things make this whole story possible. You have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God working in a situation. You have Philip, who's a believer in Christ, full of the Holy Spirit. He's open to the leading of the Spirit in his life, right? He's obeying the Spirit's leading. And then you have God is working behind the scenes in another person's life. And he's working on the eunuch. He's got the eunuch in the Scriptures, He's searching, but he doesn't know exactly what he's looking for. He doesn't have the answers, but he's open to them. And so what God does in his sovereign wisdom, he brings those two people together around the scriptures. And it results in the secretary of finance of Ethiopia being saved, being transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And church tradition tells us that this exact story in Acts chapter 8 is how the gospel went from Jerusalem to the nation of Ethiopia. And if you've ever heard of a man by the name of Augustine or Augustine, who's a one of the more famous church fathers, he's a black man from the continent of Africa. And so Augustine, one of our great church fathers, who wrote the book called The City of God, he perhaps is led to the Lord through the ministry of the Ethiopian eunuch after many, many, many years and generations. And is that not cool? How God, through His Holy Spirit, takes the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and then has Philip run beside a chariot that's on its way to Ethiopia and the gospel goes to Ethiopia and countless souls are probably saved through the ministry of this Ethiopian eunuch. Amen? Man, that's good stuff. You can't write a better story than that. It is just fascinating to keep up with how God is at work saving souls. And so what I want to do is to encourage you. I want to encourage you to spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in God's word. And ask the Lord if he would bring you to someone who needs to hear the gospel this week. I have found that that is a prayer in my life that God always answers. He always answers, Lord, show me what sin in my life you would have me to get out. 
And he always answers the prayer, Lord, please take me to someone who needs to hear the gospel. Those are two prayers that he always answers. And I want to encourage you, especially to pray the latter. Get God through his Holy Spirit to put you in front of somebody who's eager to hear. Brothers and sisters, they're out there. People are searching. Listen, this world does not make any sense. Whether you heard or not, they've banned straws in California. Now, whether you agree with that, think it's a good idea or not, that's kind of out there, right? Okay? People are looking for a fix. Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God are the only fix that this life has to offer. And people are eager for it. I'm going to close in prayer, and then I'm going to share a few more things with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And God, I pray that each of us would be exactly like Philip. Lord, I pray that we would be sensitive and eagerly hearing what your Spirit is doing at work amongst us. And Lord, I then pray that we would be obedient to your call on our life to preach the gospel to anyone who you bring us to. Lord, help us to get ourselves out of the way so that we can hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we talked about the Ethiopian eunuch being saved, being baptized. And last week, we took our church, uh, a lot of our church members, rather, to a place called White Lake. Uh, It's over close to Lumberton area, over towards 95. And we had a baptism. So the week before we went on the retreat, uh, Gabby, a young lady sitting in the back, I'm not going to embarrass her too much. So I'm going to have her picture on the screen whenever you're ready, Ron, so you don't have to look back there and embarrass her. All right, this is a picture of Gabby on the screen, and her dad, June, is baptizing her while we're on the retreat. And so that's going to make sense in a minute. Gabby came to my office with her mom, and uh, we walked through sin. We walked through Jesus. We walked through repentance. And Gabby made a decision to put her faith in Jesus Christ to forgive of her sins. And then I encouraged June to baptize her. Because June's always, as her father, going to be in her life. And how neat is that, that her dad baptized her? I just think that's awesome. And so I was there with them, helping them through. And as we were walking out of the lake to walk back up onto the shore, Gabby said, I get to eat the bread now in church. Right? Like, that is super exciting for a child to be saved, to be eager and excited to be baptized, and to be anxious to take the Lord's Supper with God's people. And so this week was a, uh, was a bit of a hectic week. And I had told Gabby as we were walking out of the water, I said, Gabby, since you, uh, got baptized and now you're excited about eating the bread, I said, Gabby, we'll have the Lord's Supper next week so that you can have the bread too. But I showed up this morning and had forgotten about it, right? I have a very slippery mind. If you see me say I'll do something and you don't see me write it down, I will not be offended at all if you say, uh, hey, Bubba, you might want to write that down. So I got to Sunday school, saw Gabby and Zer, and said, oh, no, I forgot. And so Randy and I teach the same Sunday school class. So our Sunday school class helped us put the Lord's Supper together during the Sunday school hour so we could still have it and Gabby could participate with us. And so, brothers and sisters, we're getting ready to enjoy the Lord's Supper together. And we're going to do it today because we're a family and because we're excited that one of our young ones is a part of the family now. They've always come. We've always treated them like family, but now they're washed in the same blood that you are. 
They're forgiven of their sins in the same manner that you are. And she wants to do something that she's been seeing us do for a long time. And she hasn't been able to participate. And I'm really excited about it. And so, uh, Randy, if you'll help me get the table ready. And uh, deacons, if you would help us pass it out, we'll get started. You guys know the scriptures that talk about examining yourself before you take of the Lord's table. And so I just want to encourage you to uh, pray with me in a minute. Let's give some self-examination to our lives and make sure that we're taking of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, even though we're doing it in a celebratory manner that uh, there's a young lady who once was lost but now is saved. Let's still make sure we go about it in the right manner. So I'm going to pray for the bread. Uh, I'm going to give a few few seconds. It's going to seem like a lot longer for you to do some self-examination, pray about any maybe unconfessed sin in your life, and then I'm going to uh, read the scripture, and at the end of reading the scripture, we'll take the bread together. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would search us. Lord, I pray that you would test us and try us. And Father, I pray that you would see if there's any ill way in us. Lord, I do pray that if any of us are in uh, any sort of un any sort of unrepentant, habitual sin, Lord, I pray that you would bring it to our minds. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of it. And Father, I pray that you would break that uh, temptation or that addiction that anyone may have. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your body that was broken for us. And Father, now I pray that we would use this as a time of confession. The scripture says in... 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. All right, we'll do it opposite this time. I'll read the text and then we'll pray together. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Lord's death. Lord, we thank you that just like Philip, Jesus was obedient uh, to the Spirit in his life. Lord, I do pray that we would indeed be proclaimers of your death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, I pray that you would burn on our hearts a desire to share your word with the lost world. Lord, I pray that you would have divine appointments for us all this week. And Father, I pray that you would use each of us filled with your Holy Spirit in a mighty way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's drink together. All right, we're going to close our service with a song of invitation. Before we sing the song of invitation, uh, you need to know that only about 40 minutes before the service started did any of our uh, deacons or anyone else know that we were going to have the Lord's Supper. And so these guys are incredible sports because it is killing them that they're not wearing coats and ties, okay? And so you need to know how proud of them I am that they were they were going with the flow and we did all this so that we could serve Gabby, all right? And uh, I'm grateful for uh, all of the students who helped us get everything ready. If you would stand with us for a hymn of invitation, if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, I would love to share more with him about you, more about him with you. And if there's anything that you need to pray about, I'd invite you to pray at the altar as well. John, if you would lead us. It was good to see you guys this week and worship with you. I'm going to ask Randy if you would close us in prayer.